Um, we're reading from Revelations chapter 1, from verse 9. This part, uh, portion is entitled, Vision of the Son of Man. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly, I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet blast. It said, write in the book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His hair and his head were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in the furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have eaten, both the things that are now seen, sorry, not eaten, seen both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Within the church calendar, Advent is a season of preparation for the coming of Christ at Christmas. And it always also looks forward to the coming of Christ at the end of time. Today's reading um, from the letter which Jesus sent through John to the, those seven churches, that vision which he saw and that reading dates to about 90 years after the birth of Christ. So this is not looking forward to the birth of Christ. He has already come, and as he said, he was dead, and now he is alive again, and he has ransomed men with his blood. This book is looking forward towards the return of Christ in his glory. It speaks of the tribulations of the church and the problems that they face, but supremely of the glory of the Christ who is our hope our joy and our saviour. Because 
This is looking forward to the return of Christ. That's the subject for today, not the return itself, but the being prepared for the return of Christ because this is the Advent season. And so, by way of a title for this morning, I've actually chosen a question. It's pretty direct, and it's directed to Cairns Road Baptist Church as a, as a body, and it's directed to you as an individual, because I believe that's what the scripture we'll be looking at requires of us. The question is, will you be ready when he comes? Are you ready if he comes today? It's no good saying for 2,000 years he hasn't come because Jesus did was quite clear when he said that he will come again at an hour you do not expect. And over the last couple of years, six million people have unexpectedly found themselves called to him because of the pandemic. Six million people worldwide who never expected to be there. So whether he comes or whether he calls, are you ready? Are you ready to meet him? Now there's something about Christ's second return coming again, which perhaps we need to take note of. Malachi chapter 3 says this, Who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then I will draw near to you in judgment. That is from Malachi. And it suggests that it's just possible that the coming of Christ again may not be so comfortable as we imagine. So it is important to be spiritually ready, isn't it? So that when he comes, it's a joy to see him. Now there's something to note about Christ's, the Christ we witness in this particular reading as well. He is awesome in his glorified splendor. I once spoke at a school assembly and I told the children that they were awesome because they were made in the image of God. And afterwards a teacher came to me and said, the, teacher, the children were very upset with what you said to them. I said, why? He said, well, they looked up awesome in the dictionary and it said, terrible. Because awesome means most magnificent. And it means terrible. And our Christ is most magnificent and terrible, isn't he? He's terrible to sinners who cannot bear his glory. And he's magnificent to us whose blood who have been cleansed by his blood. In fact, John falls down before him as though dead. Such is the glory which he witnesses in his high priestly robe, 
in his bright, shiny hair, brighter than Pete Evans's hair. <laughs> you realize that in Proverbs it says the strength of a young man, uh, the glory of a young man is his strength, but the glory of an old man is his gray hair. But Jesus' hair was white, as white as snow. Such purity like omniscience, like with the wisdom of the ancient of days. And his eyes glowing like fire. We can pull the wool over each other's eyes, but we can't pull the wool over his eyes because his eyes burn through the wool and he sees. And we can say more about this saviour that John sees. No wonder he falls down before him as though dead. And yet there's tenderness in Jesus. Because at the same time, he lifts him up and says, do not be afraid, it is I, the first and the last. Now this Jesus, in this vision, stands in the midst of seven golden lampstands. And it explained that these lampstands are actually the churches themselves which are supposed to shine. Lampstands throw out light. And these churches are to shine the glory and the beauty of Jesus. But Jesus at first is standing in the midst of these churches, and then he's walking among them. You are a lampstand. You are a lampstand, and Christ is here. Scarily, he's inspecting the churches that he's walking amongst. Because he tells John to write seven letters, one to each of the seven churches that are mentioned. And in these letters, he gives a review of their spiritual life. He's expecting them, reviewing them, and then telling them what is found. Some of you in your business have an annual review. Some of you look forward to it, and I'm sure some of you don't. Some of you are school teachers, aren't you? And you have Ofsted, and some of the teachers are scared stiff, and others say, no, I've done everything I should. But Jesus, as he walks along the lampstands, is reviewing his church. Shockingly, it seems, only two of those seven churches had nothing in them to commend. Two of those churches had nothing in them at all to commend from Jesus' point of view. Two of them had nothing to fault from his point of view. And the others were fairly mixed. But there were some shocking sins hidden in the midst of them, which no doubt were hidden from many of the members there. One church was so nominally Christian that it was spiritually insipid, and one had a great local reputation, but Jesus considered it spiritually dead. And one church is wonderfully sound in its doctrine, but all the love has gone out of it. 
So Christ dictates a letter to each of these churches with the results of his review. Each letter is personal to the church that it's sent to. And I'm not going to go into those letters, those faults and things anymore now. But each of those letters is personal to the church that receives it. But at the end of each letter it says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So there is a review sent to each church about itself, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit says, but these letters are for all the churches. I'm not going to go into the content of the letters anymore today, but this is for you to do as individuals, from time to time maybe as a church, from time to time maybe as house groups. Because you see, there are things in these letters which are commended and which are to be, are to be honored and practiced in a church. There are things in these churches which are faults and to be avoided. And so the Spirit has given these letters to all his church. And that includes Cairns Road, and it includes Stapleton, where I worship, and Fishponds, where I preached last week, and the Good Shepherd up the road. He's in the midst of his churches. Now, there are three specific things from these letters, briefly, which I need to point out, because he says the same thing in each of the three letters. The first thing is the opening word of his letter. It's oida, which means I know. You know that feeling as a child, if you can remember back that far, when your mum or your dad comes up to you and says, well, I know what you've been doing. And you know that he or she knows. And there's no doubt of it. Jesus says to all the churches, I know. He knows their works. He knows the place that they've been in. Sometimes this is a comfort. He knows the struggles that they're having because of the population and the ungodliness all around them. He knows what's going on inside the church. He even knows what's going on inside their hearts. Lower, says the psalmist, there's not a word on my lips, but you know it altogether. Now, it's my experience as a minister and it's my experience as a person that at times in the church there are hidden things which some people wish and hope nobody else sees. Sometimes I have been the sinner and in my conscience I hope that none of my congregation know what I've been thinking or perhaps what I've been doing. And it's almost inevitable that there's someone here this morning and that's true. And if Jesus stands before you and looks you in the eye, and I'm looking no one in the eye now, 
But if he looks you in the eye and says, I know, I know, then it's time for you to repent. It's time for you to get things right. Because right now, you're not ready for his coming. You're not spiritually ready to meet with him. But the wonderful thing is, today you have an opportunity because he has poured out his blood to ransom you for God and to make you again a priest amongst his people, to offer up his praises. And today, if you confess your sin, then he, and if you confess and you'll forsake that sin, then today you will go home a freed man, a freed woman, a forgiven person, a renewed person. And that's fantastic. But just remember, to every church and every member of every church, he says, I know. I know. The second thing which he says in every letter is this. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The tense of the verb used here is interesting because it signifies let him hear, not like Dave's voice going on in the background because I'm thinking about the football match I played yesterday, but let him concentrate and hear and be certain once and for all that he's heard. So that if somebody says to you, what did you hear? You can say precisely what you heard. And not only that, but when the, he says, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, this is an imperative, in an imperative tense. In other words, it's imperative that you hear what the Spirit says to the churches and to hear it clearly, listening intently. In a roundabout way, <clears throat> it's an order from Jesus given in the voice of the Spirit. This is important. To be ready for him, you must take note and take to heart what he says to the churches and act upon it. The third and almost the final point I have to make is the third thing which is repeated in all the letters. Because in all the letters there are some amazing gifts which are promised to the people in the churches when salvation is complete. Amazing gifts to do with Jesus and relationship with Jesus and, and, and the promises that he makes. But... These gifts aren't for everybody, amazingly. It says, to him who conquers, I will give. The book of Revelation makes plain that both then as now, the church faces different difficulties on at least three fronts. Human opposition or human systems 
which sometimes result in persecutions. The church faces opposition and difficulty through demonic activity, sometimes expressed by systems and peoples. And it faces the problem of sin from within and false teaching within. The one who conquers then is the one who endures opposition, however tough it might be, in the faith of Jesus and out of love for God. The one who conquers is the one who resists the devil. The one who conquers is the one who pursues holiness in the church and in the world. Remember, without faith it is impossible to please God and without holiness no one will see him. These are the words of scripture. So to be ready for Jesus when he comes we have to be daily and diligently overcoming by faith and love and obedience to Jesus the snares and temptations of daily life. This is a daily, daily activity, standing firm, faithful to Jesus Christ. But, if we follow Paul's counsel, Paul the Apostle's counsel, and if we truly, daily, present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship, then here we have a wonderful promise which Jesus made before he died, one on which we can depend. He says, if you abide in my love and if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. If we're keeping our lives clean and clear and ready for Jesus, when he comes eventually, or today, it won't be uncomfortable. It will be sheer ecstatic joy and wonder and praise and glory to God because the one who has ransomed us has sustained us and we have kept the faith and run the race and fought the good fight and we shall be with him in his glory and we shall see him as he is and we shall be like him because we see him that way. We will be transformed and we will be so, so happy.